welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Welcome to Turn the Page podcast. I am your host, Jessica. I am um, here with um, an author whose book, Malice House, was awesome. And it is like a dark fantasy, a little bit of horror, a little bit of, um, I don't know, like almost like um, metafiction in a way Mm -hmm. (laughs) that uh, I think a lot of people are going to like. So I'm actually going to just invite her to introduce herself and tell us about Malice House. Yeah. Hi, I'm Megan Shepard. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Um, Malice House is my 12th book, but my first book specifically for an adult audience in mind. I kind of come from more of a YA background, though um, most of my readers were still adults, (laughs) even for my YA books. Um, So yeah, Malice House is a book about a 30-something aspiring artist, Haven, and her father is a... um, Pulitzer Prize winning novelist and he passes away and she goes to his, you know, creepy seaside house to clear out his stuff and finds a hidden manuscript called Bedtime Stories for Monsters um, that is very different from his usual stuff. It's sort of this interconnected short story collection with very macabre demonic characters. And she decides that she'll jumpstart her art career by illustrating it and selling it together to a publisher as like a package. And as she illustrates it, strange things start happening in this seaside town. Some people get murdered and all of the local book people get very, very interested in it. The local bookseller, the librarian, um, a barista who works as a literary forger. They all take this very unusual interest in the manuscript and Haven starts to wonder if maybe she has sort of awoken some dark magic by illustrating these characters. I really enjoyed just the kind of like the the local flavor of the town that Haven finds herself in. Um, she's a really interesting character. I really loved her and her journey. Um, you know, I like the, first of all, I have to say that um, one of the things that I love about this book and a lot of these books that are coming out is it's, you know, for a while I felt like there was sort of a disconnect in what had to be YA and what had to be adult and like certain things in order to be considered like an adult fantasy adult horror like it was like well if it's adult it has to have all of these things in order to make sure that it's separated but what I love about Malice House and like I said like there's other books that have been coming out like this lately is it sort of recognizes um, what so many adults see in YA and what appeals to them and what was missing and this is not to disrespect any um, adult books that came before because you know they are popular they have their places but like there's something that um, you know like 30 somethings or early 40 somethings like me wanted to see themselves in these stories too and it's bringing what would have traditionally been only a YA story to adults. So crossover kind of goes both ways. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think kind of what is missing in YA fiction for adult readers um, is what goes beyond the questions of identity and finding your place in the world, which is so universal. I mean, you can be 60, 70 years old and still be trying to find your identity. So, I mean, that yeah. her appeals as a broad, broad appeal, but YA books are just so focused on looking forward into how are you going to fit into the world. And I think a lot of 30, 40, 50 somethings, we also, we're still interested in that, but we're also interested in looking at the repercussions of the choices we've made. And, and that is often not something that you see a lot in YA fiction, um, just because the characters are 16, they haven't made a lot of choices. Um, but I really wanted to deal with that in the book. Haven does have a lot of questions of identity, um, but she's also made a lot of mistakes and a lot of tough choices and now has to deal with deal with those. Yeah, that that is actually a really good point. And I think some people are um, more forgiving of teens who make mistakes because you're a teen and you're supposed to be doing that. And, you know, like even though some mistakes could have repercussions for your entire life, it's different when you're supposed to be a functional adult. And you're making mistakes. Um, and what I also love about Malice House and um, sort of what we're talking about is that like the idea that a coming of age story doesn't just have to happen at 12 or 16 or 18. You're constantly having coming of age stories. You know, Haven um, goes to her father's house after he's passed away and losing a parent is a whole other coming of age story, no matter what age you lose a parent at, because you are questioning your identity without this person who's always been in your life. Um, and like, she, she's questioning also, not just like his stories and this new manuscript that she finds, but also like the type of people he hung out with. Um, he has this, what is it? Literary salon. <laughs> they call themselves yeah yeah they're kind of they're a little bit pretentious and she tries to call them a book club and they quickly correct her and say oh no it's a literary salon and they call themselves the ink drinkers which is what the French call uh bookworms like that's the French translation for bookworms is ink drinkers I mean super cute but also they really take themselves so seriously <laughs> uh but I really liked uh her finding you know, reading these stories and the stories themselves are, are super fun to sort of um, gather, you know, each chapter has like a little excerpt from uh, bedtime stories for monsters. So you sort of get who these characters are and uh, just a little bit of the story. And um, I have to say, I have a soft spot for Pinchy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm actually dressing up uh, my dog as Pinchy. He's got a little lobster costume. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> for, for people who are going to read the book, and I recommend you do, um, Pinchy is one of the characters in uh, Bedtime Stories for Monsters. And I don't really want to give too much away from him, but I, I do I do like him. Um, yeah. He's sinister, but... <laughs> in a very endearing way, but talking about people who are less endearingly sinister, you know, so you have um, the Witch of Went, um, the Harbinger, who is sort of like, the, the two of them are almost 
like ribbons who are um, woven between the stories. Like if there's any interconnectedness, it's because they appear together and separately. Um, mm -hmm. You have Uncle Arnold who is like super creepy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you also have, like we mentioned, like the ink drinkers who just take things so seriously and like they love Haven's father, but they're also not like the most supportive to her. And you kind of have to wonder why. And then there's um, Kylie, the barista, who has sort of her own relationship to the stories and the ink drinkers because she works in this cafe and she sort of has to deal with them. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Haven coming to town gives her another outlet for talking about that. So it's like, it's just this really good balance between here's some snippets of some stories that leave you wanting more. Here's this young woman who's leaving something behind and coming into something completely new. And here's just this fun town of weirdos. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's something um, so essential in the horror genre is that, you know, you you can have creepy Stephen King-esque monsters. That's fantastic. But the real scary parts are the human characters. And so as much as I loved crafting the monsters and they are quite violent and terrifying, it's the people who are the ones that are like really disturbing and in the book. And even the monstrous characters, you know, they've all, there's, I think there's eight of them, eight different stories, and they all have come from Haven's father's mind. And he was suffering from dementia when he created them. And in order, in order to create them, I had to kind of get in the mind of like an older, very arrogant white dude, yeah. you know, it, who's suffering from dementia. It's very different from myself. So, so how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I thought, I thought about like, um, what sort of fears would a man like him be, be going through at his age? And, you know, he would obviously be working about, worrying about irrelevance, you know, that his works are no longer important culturally. He, he's a very um, proud man. So he would worry that like women no longer find him attractive. He'd be worried about, you know, potential caregivers abusing him, um, relationships with you know, fractured relationships with family, physical frailty, all of these fears. And so I kind of took each of those fears and turned them into a different monster. Um, and so, so then it's, as Haven is reading bedtime stories for monsters and then also interacting with the actual monsters, she's learning a lot about her father. So the monsters do sort of still have this, this human element um, to them because they all come from a human. So this is actually the first in a series. Yes. You've yes. done something really awesome here um, where you have made me really excited for the next book. There's been a few books this year that have kind of gotten me back into the series excitement. You know, for a while, mm -hmm. you, you start a book and you're just like, oh, is this a series? You know, like, am I going to be, am I going to be able to commit to this when the next one comes out? You know? Um, but uh, this is definitely one of the ones that I'm like, cannot wait. When is this gonna? When is this going to uh, be back? Um, <laughs> did it always start out as a series for you, or did you sort of see an endpoint and you're just like, the story is just not done yet, and I need some more time to tell it? 
I, I tend to leave all my stories a little bit open-ended because that's how life is. Um, uh, but I did, I did plan it as just a single title. And then um, Disney, the publisher, you know, asked if I would be interested in turning it into a series. And I had so many ideas for where it could go. Um, the first book deals heavily with the book, the book world, you know, pub, it's got editors, it's got librarians, authors, booksellers, which I, I just kind of love that internal peek at the book world. Um, but the second book deals with the film world. And so it tackles um, old Hollywood, film noir, that kind of Hitchcockian, creepy, early horror movie um, world. And so I'm, I, I'm just putting the final touches on it now. And I, I really love it, too, because it deals with the same questions of artistic creation and what are writers and filmmakers and artists putting out in the world? And are we responsible for what we put out in the world? Um, but from a really, really fun old Hollywood standpoint. So what are some things that you enjoy reading and watching? Oh my gosh, let's see. Watching right now, I'm obsessed with House of the Dragon. Um, I, I've always loved- As we all are. <laughs> I've always loved like gothic fiction. That's one of my favorite genres. And I feel like the story has like some cool gothic elements to it. Um, that the yeah. like really- high drama interpersonal relationships and um, twists and turns. And it's the world is so much more insular than Game of Thrones was in a way that I, I really kind of like. Um, so yeah, and of course I love morally gray characters <laughs> of which that show has a lot. For sure, yes, <laughs> lots lots of them. Um, it's, it's really interesting to see like who, who people have sort of um, latched onto in that fandom. And I, I, I agree too. You know, there's sort of something with the storytelling being a little bit more focused. Um, not that I did not love, there were so many characters in Game of Thrones that I loved um, and also hated, but, um, and also hate loved or love hated, but it, it's, um, it, it is a little bit more focused yeah. of a narrative because of, it's really just focusing on this one house and, you know, how other houses relate to that specific house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then books, like I went through a, a period during the pandemic where I just couldn't read very much. I didn't have the attention span, um, but now I'm coming out of that. And so I'm just diving into so many books. And I just read um, The Last to Vanish by Megan Miranda, um, which is- Another, a, another Megan. <laughs> another Megan, <laughs> yes. She's one of my closest critique partners and friends too, but um, those- her books are just fantastic and they're thrillers and they've really done well. Um, and then um, Adrienne Young, who's another YA author, just came out with her first book for adults as well called Spells for Forgetting, which is also set like Malice House is set um, in the Pacific Northwest near the San Juan Islands. And hers is, has the same basis for her setting and a touch of, um, touch of magical, that kind of magical realism as well. Um, that one I'm, I've enjoyed. Um, Shay Earnshaw's uh, History of Wild Places also has a touch of the mat. I, my favorite books to read are the ones that are very heavily based in our world, but do have a touch of a touch of magic. Yeah, same here. I have. I, I'm. A, I'm definitely a fan of. Um, I guess contemporary fantasy. Contemporary yeah. fantasy. Uh, yes, and I think like 
for for me because I had been reading a lot of horror and dark fantasy during the pandemic I think there's sort of something soothing about your world distorted especially when your world is really actually distorted <laughs> yes yeah I during the pandemic um I was, of course, like everyone, very isolated in my house, um, but my house is isolated anyway. I live in this 130-year-old farmhouse that is just deep in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina, um, and I, I I love it. It's, and you know, as a writer, I'm an introvert. It's a wonderful place to write from, but during the pandemic, I mean, it did get very claustrophobic um, being here with two babies, two young children. And um, of course my husband and all of our animals and just, you know, feeling like my house was both my haven and my prison. <laughs> and I, that's, you know, I was writing Mala's house at that time. And so I think that, you know, that, I, that translated whether intentionally or unintentionally into that, the tone of the book. I like, I like it. It, it worked very well. Um, so um, yeah. I, I actually um, am very much looking forward to the next book. It should be very interesting. Um, it's cool that you'd mentioned that your publisher was interested in it being a series. Uh, any talk about like an adaptation? Oh, you know, um, we haven't gotten into that just because it, since it just came out, we haven't gotten, you know, too many details yet. Um, I would love to see. I'm a huge Mike Flanagan fan. He's ah, <laughs> yes. I love Mike Flanagan. Oh, my God. That would be so perfect. Yeah. I just, I mean, The Haunting of Hill House. I loved Midnight Mass. I haven't watched his new one, The Midnight Club yet, but um, I just think that his, the way yeah. he deals with horror and the way that he balances the real world dangers and the supernatural dangers are just perfect. He just walks that line so yeah, beautifully. Totally, like totally, totally perfect. And um, yeah, they're, they're all, it's just really good stuff. Oh, that would be so great. <laughs> I know, I was going through the cast of Midnight Mass and I was like, ooh, they could play this person. They could play this person. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny because um, that one character and he's um, he I, I forget what I forget what the actor's name is, but um, when Haven meets um, Rafe, is it? Yeah, right. Uh -huh. I hundred percent saw him um, playing that character in my mind. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we, my my publisher and I have talked a little bit about. Um, maybe writing the full version of some of the stories from bedtime stories for monsters in the in in uh, malice house each chapter heading is a little snippet um and so you you get a sense of what the stories are but you don't actually get the full stories and um so i've thought about writing maybe pinchy's story <laughs> or some of the other ones yay just as a nice it. little little bonus for readers well thank you so much um malice house is available now right Yep, it, yep, yep, it just came out about a week and a half ago. And yep. it's, yeah, right in time for Halloween. Very cool. Um, so we are very excited for the next one. And uh, thank you so much, Megan Shepard, for visiting us from um, isolation where you are. <laughs> yeah, it was such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much, Jessica. You're welcome. And we are going to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Thank you.
it's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode. Thank you.